Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Can you still be fulfilled at 40 without the partner, without the children, the career, or the beautiful home, all in the picture? Failure at 40 interviews, debates, and discusses the reality of turning 40. I think for myself, I just kind of felt like, nah, I don't feel like I've achieved what I should have achieved by the time I reached 40. I didn't feel that. I just weren't celebrating. I'm glad I was forced to in the end. No, I just didn't feel I was worthy of celebrating my 40th birthday. I didn't feel worthy at all. Failure at 40. Am I one of those people that has to have a job to feel happy with themselves? So I said, hell no, that that can't be me. That's not going to be my story where I need a job to define who I am to feel better about my life. Hell no. Failure at 40. Failure at 40 challenges the notion of failure and redefines what success looks like to you. Who says if you haven't reached all of your goals by 40 that you are not a success? Failure at 40 interviews, debates and discusses the reality of turning 40 in modern Britain. Welcome to Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Failure at 40. Welcome to Failure at 40. I'm Shelley, the life coach. And I'm Winnie, the producer. And on today's episode, we're talking to Simone Reed, who's a 45-year-old housing manager, business owner, and events organizer from South London, who's single with no children. Welcome to the podcast, Simone. Hi, Simone. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Welcome to Failure at 40. Welcome, Sim. Oh, hello, hello. Our first question, Simone, is if you can take us back to your early 20s, um, maybe mid-twenties, but before you were 30, what aspirations you might have had for yourself for when you were 40, like what you thought being 40 would look like back then? If I'm totally honest with you, I didn't look that far ahead. I was very much, I was very busy then times. So I used to be a dancer. I used to do a lot of different shows and music videos and all that kind of razzmatazz kind of thing. So I think in my 20s, it was very much kind of look into my 30s I didn't look I've not really been that person that's really had that far plan but I did you know if you did ask me that question when I was in my 20s I would have thought I'd have been settled down had a family and more likely living abroad Jamaica or somewhere that was kind of one of part of my aspirations I suppose in terms of um, being 40 but I was always kind of just looking for the next kind of just always being busy and just doing things so I was just always caught up in that life and I think that's also attributed to why um, I have no family at this stage because I never, it was never a thought. I was just so busy doing things and enjoying life at, though, at that age. And what, what were your earlier years like um, in such a what's your background like? Where are you from originally? Born in London. Um, we used to, I was actually a West London girl. And um, when I was born, my, my grandparents... Um, both sets actually my dad's parents first of all were kind of they knew my mum had a lot of aspirations within herself and she was very dedicated to her studies and things like that so she had me when she was like 20 so they were like you know what you're destined to go to university you've got a future ahead of you for your child we'll take her um you know do go to university but you know look after still look after me I still had my mum when I was younger and then my grandma went to America for six weeks so then my mum's mum and dad they used to live in Sheffield so they were like, oh, we'll take over six weeks. Um, and then six weeks turned into six years. Wow. As far as they were concerned, they were like, well, actually, to be really honest, we're not going to um, give her back because we're, we're financially stable. We can look after her. We can do everything. So I remained in Sheffield for a very long time. Wow. With your grandparents, maternal grandparents. Yes. 
And then I only came back to London when I was eight because they were going to Jamaica. They tried to take me with them. My mum was like, that's too far. So, (laughs) yeah, you're coming back to London. So that's when I came back to London um, and then moved to South East London. Um, So in terms of knowing London when I was younger, it's South East London. I'm a South girl. That's what I know. South. So um, (laughs) coming back to London to be with my mum was an interesting time because she, obviously I knew who my mum was, but she wasn't used to having a child around. She wasn't used to being a full-time mum. So that was a that was a hard journey. I had fabulous, beautiful grandparents. So I never missed out on anything. But coming back to my mum, there was no problem with that. But then I expected that kind of same kind of, maybe same or, or, or I, I, I had imagination of what a mum and daughter relationship would be. And I never quite got that from my mum in the beginning stages. Now we get on like a house on fire, but it took a lot of, um, took a lot. And I feel that's what kind of helped to build my character and build my strength and my independence in the way I am. So she couldn't really tell me much when I was younger. I wasn't a bad child. I didn't really get in trouble and things like that, but I was very much about me and and about making sure I make my decisions and I'm happy with the decisions I'm making. So I was very strong headed when I was younger. What what, what age did that start to come together for you and mum? Um, as in that we got closer? Yeah, well, just the fact that it felt more like that relationship was solidified. If I'm honest with you, when I moved out, when I was in my 20s, it took a long time. Yeah, it, it wasn't, it was always kind of a bit up and down. Also, my mum's a Gemini. Forgive, forgive anybody who's that Gemini, but she's a Gemini and she's a true Gemini. So, <laughs> you know, just from stepping in my mum's house and saying hello, I know whether I'm taking my shoes off. <laughs> 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 So, yeah, because I just don't, I don't have time for the, the crazy side. I don't have that energy. So for me, it's like I'm coming, I'm like, oh, hi, mum, I'm loving, and you're moaning. Nah, do that by yourself. Let me go. And then she'll call me a couple hours later, and then we carry on talking, and everything's back to normal again. But she would just go through these times of just having these weird downer times, which would straight life out of me but we've grown uh, I think as time went on she started to grow to realize that I don't respond to that very well and if you want me to be around and you want to have me close with you then you need to kind of like cut that bit out or let's let's find a way that we can both work with it you know going forward that's kind of how our relationship kind of went forward and I think just by just being having my independence I think I moved out about the age of Early 20s, like maybe 22, 23. Early. Um, I went to a flat share with a friend of mine at the time. And then following that flat share is when um, I ended up getting the place at Rayner. And then that's when I looked after the mother and babies. And then during that time as well. So back then I used to work in retail. So it was a good job to have because I was always traveling for dancing and things like that. So I used to work in Topshop or for Circus, the kind of place that everyone went to work. We used to get gold travel cards. So everyone wanted to be there. It was like one of the spots to kind of be in. Everyone used to come in and, you know, hang out or whatever. It was a- you guys had a gold travel card? Live in. Yeah, so we had a gold what travel card. You could, you could do, it was a, a one to six zone travel card, gold card. It was free. Anyone yeah, was like, working at Top Shop. Yeah. Anyone that worked really? in Top Shop had a card. You could do a Saturday shift and have a seven, a 24 hour um, travel card. That, that was like a full time travel card. It was the but why was that ever. like a benefit? Was it because you would be called to different branches and you'd have to work no. all over the place? No, it was just a perk. 
Wow. I don't know why, but it was just a perk everyone had. So it was brilliant. Like you could just do what you wanted back then. That's that incredible. Probably why everybody wanted to work there at a certain time. There is, yeah. Especially if you if you travelling to like college and stuff like that, it was a perfect yeah. job because they paid for your travel. It was a good job to have, and it was a one to six one, one to six zones. I only needed four. All six zones. <laughs> It sounded like that the relationship you had built with your grandparents really gave you a strong foundation, especially in going forward to, to deal with your mum and still being strong enough to say, listen, this is not going to work until it works properly. And you managed that for a while. So got it. that's testimony to, to good foundations, I think. Yes, yes. But also, I, you know what? I don't want to sound like my mum's completely crazy because I always used you to did think it, You that- didn't sound like that. Oh, good. I'm glad. But I always used to think whenever people say, oh, you know, you take after your mum or whatever, I'd be like, no, I don't. So my mum's a Buddhist. She's been a Buddhist for over 40 years. And um, I think she's always trying to get me to chant and to be a Buddhist and whatever. And I'm always, for me in religion, I'm not really a religious person. I'll, you know, if there's a question about that, I'll explain that later. But with my mum, she's always about saving saving someone or fighting for the underdog or, you know, wanting to always be on the side of right. And that's kind of what I'm like. Like, I'm always going to go all out to kind of like help you win a battle at work or a personal battle. I'm always about trying to help you to support you to do the best you can do. That's just an advocate. I've always been an advocate like that. Always fighting for rights. That's like fighting power kind of thing. I've always been that person. And my mum is that person. So I think as the years have gone on, I've started to kind of concede to the fact that actually there's a lot of things that my mum was or is that has really instilled into me, which I'm really proud of because she's very much about that, you know, the rights of people and making sure people ain't doing wrong to you when you're getting what you what you deserve. She's very much that person kind of thing. And definitely I've got that for my mum and I'm proud to say that because she's done a lot of good for people. She's very caring in that sense. And who would you say some of the significant people along your journey have been, including mum and grandparents? Well, you know what, I had a few good teachers at school like um, I remember my drama teacher she was really inspiring and she really pushed kind of like um, my performing arts I used to do a bit of acting and stuff like that as well as well as the dancing um, then I had a drama teacher Pat Warmington she used to be down at the Albany Empire in Deckford um, so we used to go to um, drama classes there as well and do singing dancing all different things um, down there I wasn't much of a singer even now I thought I should have been but now I was but um yeah, there's, there's been people like that along the way that really have kind of helped to just kind of like see the potential in me and really put me in that direction. Even like when it became like when you got into management, I got into management. I kind of, one thing with me as well, in terms of having a plan, like when you first kind of were saying about the kind of things we're going to be discussing, I'm thinking about what was my life plan? And I'm thinking that I've just never been a person that's really had a plan. I fall into things. Most things I've, I've kind of achieved is because I've fallen into it. So even with working with the young people, while I was at Topshop, I'd done a course on mentoring and met these um, girls there that were starting a new agency for um, children's homes. So they were saying, now, when we get you know, our agency together, we want it to be one of our workers. But I'd had no experience. I hadn't really done that before, apart from doing the stuff at Rainer, but not the children's homes. And they um, took me on and I became their star member of staff in the sense of being able to go and secure contracts for them, going, doing the work I needed to do. They were like, if that's the kind of staff that you have, we want to give you a contract and it kind of moved on from there then a friend of mine was doing something at a place called Focus E15 in Stratford which is a foyer um, and that's for young people that are either being kicked out on the street or coming from um, social coming from being in care 
Um, so I applied for that just for the sake of applying for it, um, got that job there and then went on to run a two million pound contract for them for social services and done really well. I was there for as a manager. I think I was there for altogether 10 years, but I think at the 10 years, I was probably a manager for eight. But actually really just what I jumped from being the support worker up into the management position I, I went to was I jumped so, several levels to get there and done a really good job there. And then that's kind of like, I just, yeah, fallen into different things. When I got made redundant from there, I kind of got headhunted to go and work in different companies. So in terms of having a plan, I've not, I'm not that real thought out planned person in terms of what I'm doing career wise. I have to be honest with that. And then along the way, I always pick up hobbies and stuff like that. So started the pop-up shop thing from about 2013. The first one I'd done again with Jamal actually and Zalani. We did one in Brixton that went really well. And that was kind of before the real pop-up scene started, kind of started and got involved with another set of people, set up another company. So always kind of moving forward on what we're doing and then did events from that, fashion shows, parties, different different types of things. So in terms of having a set plan, no. But I did have a meltdown before 40, but I don't want to jump any questions that you guys might have. Well, I was, I was just going to ask you along that journey, I kind of think we're hearing a lot about sort of like your career and your profession, how that's really developed and transpired, but we're not hearing much about the other things that might have been going on separately in your personal life. So in terms of partners or, you, you know, or, or getting into, I don't know, other things other than just kind of work life. Yeah, so in terms so on the backstory of work life, I think my dancing took a lot of my time. Back then, I had, you know, a few serious relationships. Were they serious enough to say I'd think I was going to have a future with them? No. Um, I was always this person that kept saying that um definitely not going to have a child before I'm 25. I'm definitely not going to have a child before I'm 20. When all the 20s. Then I kind of got to 30 and I thought, okay. They thought, no, I'm still good, man. Let me keep, doing, keep, keep on with this. So I got to about 35 and I thought, geez, like, Simone, in five years' time, you're going to be 40. And I'm not saying you can't have a child nearby 40, but I'm thinking, no, I need to kind of figure out my, my partner, like, you know, be with someone that I feel that I can do this with now, you know. Um, and I'm not going to lie to you, from the age of, like, I would say, like, 35 onwards, in terms of serious relationships where I could really see myself settling down, no, it, it just wasn't happening in that way. And I feel sometimes when that's happening for yourself, you have to look at yourself and think, okay, why am I not meeting the people that I feel I can make a future with? I don't get me wrong, I met people that felt, felt, felt they could make a future with me, but I couldn't see a future with them. Worked for you? It wasn't for me. It wasn't. So, Did you feel pressure because of the age and the, the biological clock? Did they feel like there was a, a pressure to have to find someone now? No, because I, I kind of still, still felt like I had this time. It's when I got to like 38, 39, and that's when the pressure really started. That's when the, because especially when um, I read your thing about what, you, what this is about, I was like, Jesus Christ, the meltdown I had before my 40th birthday was so serious that I just felt that, Lord God, we were just party and there's, there's no pitney, there's no lifetime partner. My mum's going on about no grandkids, grandkids kind of thing, and I'm thinking about, um, How's this going to happen? Can I really have children, you know, going into the into my forties? Then I discovered I had fibroids, but that was a few years before that. So from about five, thirty-five, I discovered I had fibroids, and they were quite small at the time. They weren't giving me so many problems. But when I'm approaching forty, I'm starting to get more problems with these things. So these are all the things that I'm thinking are going to start to, you know, make it difficult for me to have a family kind of thing. And then I kind of felt like, well, maybe 
maybe I just have kids late. Maybe that's what's going to happen now, kind of thing. I'm going to have kids late. I suppose I just kept busy myself. I was, I was always busy doing something, traveling. And that's another thing I do. I do a lot of traveling. I'm always, I like to see, my, my thing was, because I'm single, I haven't got no, no one around that I have to worry about. And every year I need to go somewhere new and travel the world and new experiences or whatever the case may be. I think, yeah, like before I was, four, just before I turned 40, my mum, well, I wasn't going to do anything. And I'm a person that's known for my birthdays. Every birthday I'm doing something different. But this birthday, I was like, oh, no, after a chill, it's fine. You know, I'm not going to do anything. And my mum was like, no. So my mum planned a surprise party for me. I just thought it was a drink up, but she did an absolutely beautiful party for me. And I'm so glad she did because I would have felt gutted to know that I'd missed out such a significant birthday. Um, and that was amazing. And I went on an amazing holiday as well and I had a really good time. But I just, and the reason why I felt like I didn't want to do nothing, because I felt like, well, what have I done by the time I'm 40 to be having such a big party and having this big celebration. And what made 40 so pinnacle? What made 40 so relevant and such a, a pinnacle moment? Because everybody was making such a big deal out of it. Like, oh my God, you're going to be 40 and the big 4-0 and, you know, and all these things. And I must admit, I've got a lot of beautiful people around me that see the positives and all the things I've done. They've seen my journey and they're very proud. My mum's very proud of me and, and all the things I've achieved. But I think for myself, I just kind of felt like, no, I don't, I, I, I don't feel like I've achieved what I should have achieved by the time I reached 40. I didn't feel that. And I just weren't celebrating. I'm glad I was forced to in the end. But I just, no, I just didn't feel I was worthy of celebrating my 40th birthday. I didn't feel worthy at all. And I just felt on a downer. Like I was, yeah, I was in a bad way. I have to be honest with you, a very, very, very bad way. Um, and you know, the, the bad way was between the age of 35 up to 40, but I didn't realise I can't just blame it because I was going to be 40, but I think it was that journey, that five-year journey I went through. I'd be made redundant. I was fine. You know, I got a good payout package. I dabbled in a bit of work now and again when I needed to. I was doing pop-up stuff and I used to sell jewellery as well. I've always, I do a bit of everything. So I was cool in terms of that sense, but I still didn't feel like, I was thinking, God, I'm a big old hardback girl and, I, and I'm not really doing the things I feel like. I didn't feel like an adult. I feel like, I even still feel now like I'm 25. I don't feel like, a 40-year-old woman. I don't feel, I'm sorry, a 45-year-old woman. I don't feel that person like that. I still very, I'm still very young at heart, you know, ready to jump up and down and do different things and just live life. But there, there is elements of me where I'm like, actually, yeah, I do need to kind of think about this plan and in terms of like, I'm, you know, I'm approaching 50 now. So what happens then? But I'm also um, at peace with myself that if I don't have children, that I'm all right because I've got a lot of kids that are in my life that I've helped to bring up. Um, the work I do with the care leavers I look after, um, I've played a pinnacle point in their lives to kind of help them to kind of succeed and grow. Um, and I'm, I already started doing a fostering application um, in terms of doing some fostering and stuff like that because I figured, you know, I can really make a difference because I've done it for a long time. I've got good experience and I know I've got a lot to give. What did that meltdown look like and how did you get through it? What did you do to get yourself to the other side? You know, what it looked like, it just looked to me, it looked like depression. To my friends, it looked like, you know, like they were getting kind of concerned about me in terms of like what's going on. I wasn't my normal bubbly self. I didn't want to go out. I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to really socialise. I just wanted to just be at home and just do me. Um, you know, if you call me up with a problem, I wasn't the most helpful person, whereas normally I've always got an idea trying to solve, help you do this and link you up. But I wasn't doing none of that at the time. So the meltdown just looked like, to me, I, I would assume it just looked very depressive and people were quite worried about me at the time. And also as well, part of that meltdown was because 
a lot of changes was happening. So the redundancy happened. I also had to move out of where I was with the kids, the the the, um, the mother and babies. Um, it just a lot of change was going on, and I just wasn't quite ready for it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I always, yeah, I always fall on my feet though. So, okay, like I said, I got made redundant, excellent payout, so I was fine. I got had to leave my home, but then I got another home quite soon after. It was fine, um, and I'm now in Clapham, and then things happened from from that kind of that perfectly worked out for being in that area. So even though things were, I felt things were going wrong, things were happening to kind of like put a band-aid on those things, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and yeah. For me, within myself, I just knew that I just didn't feel, I didn't feel myself and, and that wasn't good for me. Um, and then how I came out of it was, like I said, in terms of having a strong network around me, some really strong, beautiful friends. I've, you know, I, I have to be honest, I've got a, a really strong friendship network and they really helped to pull me out of where I was, if that makes any sense. But equally, so, um, as much as they helped me, I helped myself. So I'm very much a person that I like to go in myself and solve my own problems, if that makes any sense. And I was rather starting to feel like a bit of a failure in the sense of, am I really feeling this depressed because I don't have the job that I want, you know, that a stable job that I'm, you know, feeling comfortable with? Am I one of those people that has to have a job to feel happy with themselves? So I said, hell no, that, that can't be me. That's not going to be my story where I need a job to define who I am to feel better about my life. Hell no. So I remember one day just waking up and feeling back to normal again. It was weird. It's almost like something was holding me down. And then one day it's like it let go and said, oh, I'll be Simone. And I was. I was back to being bubbly, doing my thing. I could help you out. I could, I could think straight. And I actually felt happy, physically felt happy. I could... It was something I even said. Someone must have called me that. And I said, you know what? I feel back to normal. And they said, well, you sound back to normal. And then it was funny because then the, the following Monday, I got a phone call being headhunted for a job. I put my CV up on some CV library or whatever it was and got headhunted for a very good job. Um, did the interview, got the job, and I was there for a couple of years. And again, made some differences. Done some really good thing, run some contracts for them, did some really good work. Um, left. And then from then, I must admit, I felt a lot better about myself in the sense of it wasn't because of the job. It was just, I felt better knowing that I felt better before getting the job. Then I had a job, left the job and I'm still feeling good about myself. I'm not advocating that people don't have a plan for their life because I think it's important to do that. But I'm also hoping that I'm showing people that if you don't have a plan for your life, it's not the end of the world. I never went to university. Um, I did finish school, I did okay at school, went to college. And again, with college, kind of going back slightly, you know that thing where, again, I never had that path. In, no, actually I did, I'm a liar. My path was for performing arts. My mum's path was that, that, ain't a, that ain't a profession, that ain't a job to go into. She didn't believe in it, even though she saw me grafting, doing a lot of work, flying around the world, getting paid. She didn't see it as something I could progress in. So she kind of put me off the back of, following through the performing arts so then I did things like science and engineering sociology just did things for the sake of doing it there was no even no plan that went with what I'd done but luckily while I was doing those things I met some really good people along the way which opened up a lot of job prospects for me so the positions I do now are not because I've got a university degree it's because I've got a lot of experience behind me and will still get headhunted because of the experience that I kind of carried so I think there's all different ways your journey can be. It doesn't have to be a massive plan, even though I do think it's good to have one, but you can still come on top if you push yourself and, you know, you really want to strive to do better and move forward with things. That's, 
part of the journey, I suppose. So in terms of what it looked like, I would say like someone was holding me down and how I came out of it was through the support of my friends, but also really looking into myself and looking at why I felt unhappy and looking at what could make me feel happier. Were there any friends in a similar situation to you, um, going through similar things around similar times? Not at, the, not, not at the same time I was going through it, but definitely them, because, you know, some of my friends weren't, weren't even 40 yet. So when they came to the kind of 39s, they were going through very much what I was going through um, at that kind of time. And I was able to just kind of say to them, like, come on, you saw me, what I went through. We've really got to dig hard now, really dig deep to look at what's going on for you in your life to try and help you turn that back. You know, being the pillar of support that they were for me, I needed to be that person for them to really help them pull them through that. And I have to say, I don't think anyone by the time they got to 40 or just after their 40s, everyone that, that are in my circle, I would say, we all say that we're fabulous and 40 because happy, you know, we're happy. We, you know, we've achieved a lot. We've done a lot. But sometimes no one can tell you that. You have to be able to feel that and know that for yourself. It's so important. I don't remember when we were growing up that 40 used to be as big a deal as it seems to be in this era. You know, I don't remember my mum or, you know, my grand- I never remember seeing these big, huge parties at 40 or whatever, maybe a 50th, but never 40 in the way that it's pushed now. And I wonder what's changed for, for our generation um, for 40 to be such a monumental point um, that people home into. And I think it might be because people are having children later. It's that next stage to think, ah, okay, I've done all these things, but what haven't I done? Okay, I've, I've not done these things. And I wonder if that's more about individuals or if that's more about society. If I'm honest, I feel that was me that put that on. I feel for, for me at that time, I think it was me that put that on me. Um, in terms of being a follower of what's going on around, I'm sure I am. But generally, I would like to think of myself as that person. I think for me, I put that on me because I just felt like, and I feel also the pressure of having your mum or having certain family members. Or even, you know what? It's the pressure of having people around you. You're, what, you're still single or you ain't got no kids yet? No, I haven't. You did the same, same questions. Have you asked me as to why I might not have had kids yet? Kids yet or what could have been some of the problems I've had? I think for me, a big part for me, the five boys have played a massive part for me in terms of not being able to conceive. Um, I'm not saying it's, it's a definite that I can't have children, but I know that I've got stuff within me at the moment that I need to resolve and to make way for that. Um, but people are just continually asking the same question. And I'm just always like, you know, after a while, don't you think that could have like a bit of an adverse effect on someone? I think people can be very insensitive. And I think things that are asked out of habit, because I don't think people probably mean any harm, but they ask things out of habit. Do you have a partner? Have you got, have you got any kids? Why ain't you got no kids? Why ain't you got no man? You know, where are you living now? What are you doing? And I, and I guess people don't think about it. And I think culturally, particularly in, in our culture, you know, where I'm from, it's kind of a very done thing. Why ain't you got no man? Why not? I don't want the kids yet. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you feel, and it does, it does sometimes, it does great on you after a while. I think now I've learned to bounce back from it. I'm like, fine, I'm, I'm good with that. But I'm also proud that I wasn't a teenage mum. Nothing against teenage mums, but I'm proud to know that I didn't do that back then. I'm happy that I didn't do it back then because I wouldn't have been able to achieve and had the life I had. Well, maybe I would have, to be fair, but I don't think it would have been in the way it's been. I have regrets about my life up to now. But yes, if I could have a child between now and I'd say a couple more years, then yeah, I would. But um, if I don't, then I'm not going to regret it. I'm not going to spend my life being boring. I'm not going to go through life and feel that way. Not at all. No. 
And I'm, I'm not going to allow society to be terrified about it. I was going to say, what's interesting though, Simone, is that you kind of talked about, you know, having a child or not, but you haven't talked much about having a partner or a man or, or being in that, that situation. Is, is there a reason? I'm not in that space at the moment. I really have to be honest with you. I'm not. Like all my friends around me, that's, when you know when you get to your little girly groups and everyone's talking about, oh, I want to find someone. No, I'm actually not in that space. I'm a true believer if when it's time to find the right person, that's going to happen. I'm a true believer in that. So I don't spend the time wishing and wanting to be, to find the man of my dream. No, it's just not my, that's not my motivation. But also, I don't, I'm not trying to say I want to be a single mum either. Well, I guess that's what I was, that's what, I guess that's what I was asking because kind of hearing more, it's like almost you jumped over like having the man, like the child. He's like, where you get that, the child from? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't need somebody else. Everybody else is always asking me that question. Everyone's always trying to set me up and do stuff and I get so irritated. Like, please allow me. Let it be organic. I don't want it to be because it's a fixer-upper. I'm not saying, I mean, someone could fix me up and it could work and I could come back, you know, a couple months down the line and tell you, oh my God, I'm... but right now, no, I feel, I just feel within myself, I've got me to heal. So even for a child, I've got a lot of healing to do within myself because I know that I am not well at the moment and not, you know, I'm about to die tomorrow, but I just got things within myself I need to get right. So I can say, right, let me let these beautiful things into my life. So let a beautiful man into my life and beautiful family and, and do all that stuff. So that's probably why I jump a little bit because I'm just, my focus is not on relationship right now. It really isn't. We talked a little bit about it, but you just said that you, you, you've got to do some work on yourself at the moment. What does, what does 45 look like? So you didn't have a plan of what 40 would look like. What does it actually look like today? And, and how do you feel about it? I've been lucky. I've been, I'm, I've been fortunate in the sense of with the jobs I've had and the different things I've done, I've, I've kept, I'm in a position where I can do what I want when I want. And sometimes, yes, I'm lucky to say that, but sometimes having that freedom is, is a bit too much. You kind of feel like, God, I should be more responsible. I should, there should be something I have to do. But I think I'm trying to really learn to live and, and accept this is my life. Yeah, I, I don't have to do these things. But again, I think society plays a really hard role on that where you feel like you should be more responsible. You should be doing these things. You see your friends that have got families and things going on and they've got these responsibilities and they have to be here at this time and do this at that time. And I think for me at the moment in terms of working on myself is I'm okay right now, but I could be better. And I think you could always be better. So it's always important to be working and working on yourself and improving on yourself. Even some of the questions you're asking me now, you're making me think, actually, you know what? I would tell someone else to have this plan and have that five-year plan, that whatever plan. Actually, go and sit down and sort out your own plan. So I've got rough plans now. So between now and 50, yeah, I don't want to be, ideally, like when I finish my contract due to finish next week, I'm not trying to really be running into another job so quick at the moment. I want to really start honing in on the businesses that I've set up really try and make those work and try and actually follow through with some of the ideas that I've got in terms of, you know, getting funding and running my own groups and doing different things. I think it's that it's t- the time is now to start really working on yourself. Failure at 40. Failure at 40. So you mentioned that you feel like you have, you still have a lot of work to do on yourself um, at this stage of where you are in your life right now. So I'm just wondering what that source is because you talked about how your mum was very religious she was Buddhist and she tried to drink you to follow in in religion and you rebelled against that so if it's not from religion like where where are you finding that's coming from that that energy or that that I guess solution or treatment to to be healing yourself 
Definitely, I'm not religious, but I definitely say I'm, I, I believe I'm spiritual. Um, but again, I respect people's religion as well. So I think there's something to be learned from different people's religions and things like that as well. But in terms of where I get that from, I just think from the spiritual side of me and and from just just listening to yourself sometimes and listening to your body. Like I've you know I've been for readings when I was younger um, and being told that I'm very spiritual. And I could do readings if I wanted to and that kind of stuff. And never really found an interest in the psychic world for me to be someone that does that. And also never really, I'm not that person that goes for a reading every five seconds. I have to really feel like I could do a reading and, and really feel that I've got a connection with that person to want to have that reading. But in terms of how I feel in terms of doing work on myself, um, just, I suppose there is still an element of not, not maybe being where I exactly would like to be right now, whatever that does look like in terms of, yeah, like, like I said at the beginning, you know, I do want to have a family. I do want to have my, my life partner and have my children and everything else. But that's not the being on an end all to life. I think just being able to be at peace with myself and feel happy with myself completely, that's what I'm working on. I'm, you know, working, working on me from that point of view because it shouldn't take somebody else or something else to make you feel happy you should be able to do that within yourself and that's where I think it's important to, to be able to do the work on yourself with things that you might not feel good about um to either make a difference about that to feel a bit good about those things or just to generally feel good within yourself so you know if I, I can't sit here and say to you that right now I'm like the happiest person in the world and everything's fantastic no it isn't um, I'm very good on the face value of making people feel that way about me, I suppose. But in terms of the real inner deep thoughts within myself, there is a lot of battles I feel that I'm battling and that's what I need to work on. And I feel if I'm able to work on those things. And it also, it comes down to things like just general health and, you know, what I'm putting into my body, like what I'm eating and, you know, creams I'm mm, using. Just really, yeah. even social media, everything. Like a whole, to me, I just feel like I need to do a real big cleanse at the moment, if I'm honest with you. And I feel that this, with this um, pandemic, I believe that there's a lot of madness going on with that as well, which is making, not that I wasn't awoke before, I've always been a woke person as far as I'm concerned, but it's woken me up faster. Like, you know, like you think, oh yeah, I can get to that tomorrow, I can get to that tomorrow. Now I'm, I'm not about tomorrow, it's about what I can do today to change tomorrow. Um, there's a lot it's a, to me it's a lot of work that needs to be done so you know when people are sending around videos of people um, you know like you know people being racist or things happening or this happened or this person said that I'm like okay cool they said that like what are you shocked about this is what happens you know these things happen what are we as a, as a people doing to move forward from this because I'm not trying to ask every other race to be helping us and to be on our on our plight and what we've got to be doing I'm really about I'm about this now. Like, what are we doing as a people to make things better for us as a people moving forward independently of other people trying to step in and always trying to save us? I don't want to be saved. I want to save myself and I want to save my people. And that's part of, that's, just, that, that's not just healing me, that's healing my people as well. So I think it's a journey that I'm, I'm kind of on at the moment, if I'm honest with you. And I think I think us as a as a group of people, myself and, and the Fade at 40 team, it was important for us to be having conversations within our communities, um, in any communities, about some of the things that were damaging to the mental health of people as they were approaching 40 and then needing to go into their 40th chapter. 
um, how they were feeling and how little they contributed or have contributed to that. How much does society play in that? How much does our upbringing contribute to that? You know, what we've been through with our, our, our parents, our friends, our partners, workplaces, you know, what's contributed to how we feel and why we feel that way by 40. And I think some of the things that you've said have been really powerful in terms of us kind of negating our own journey yeah. and looking at our own purpose and walking in that purpose and finding peace yes. in that Definitely. because of if we have the things others say we should have or the pressures we put on ourselves for whatever reason it's about how do we find peace you know and how do we continue to go forward especially when things are chaotic outside of our our reach you know particularly like you know what's happening for us at the moment with the pandemic and all these different parties how do we find peace and what's going on around us and um, and support each other doing that and these conversations are, are what we felt was needed you know we're in our prime next chapter we're going on to you know we're looking at 60s and we become the elders yeah you know definitely. and we're going to become responsible for the minds of those behind us so we've got to kind of really in, invest in like you say health wise you know what we're doing the wisdom we've got we've got to share that afterwards behind us you know those coming up Definitely. and it sounds to me like you have been doing a mothering role to a lot of people of all ages so if anything you've you've been a mother quite a few times you know and, and I think you have to recognize that for what it is as well I feel blessed for that as well I must admit I do and and the people that have been that too you know do come back and really appreciate me being in their lives and doing things for them or whatever the case may be um and I'll continue with that. And if one day it can be my own child, then so be it. But if it can't, then I'm not going to be in a heap on the floor about it tomorrow. I'm not going to do that. And I, and I, and I made a conscious decision to say, to tell myself that and to really believe and feel that. And I do. Because I hate how we underrate being these maternal influences to other people's children or our nieces and nephews, because although you didn't give birth to them, you're, you're still having a mothering influence over them, which is still quite significant because in, in African villages, your mum is just the person who gave birth to you. You're, you're raised by, by all the women that surround you and, and they all get just as much credit as the mother does um, in terms of, of how they're shaping these young minds and these, this next generation. And I think we just exactly what Simone was just saying about her grandparents, the role that they played in raising her and, and, and that mothering coming from elsewhere other than mum. And I think um, it's pushed upon us too much to think we're only responsible for our individual child when actually as a community, we're responsible for all of our kids everybody's kids right each one teach one um, and I think it might be culturally something here in Britain that is often the norm you know that's your kid look what your kid's doing over there it's not like listen little one don't do that you know I'm responsible for you too I'm going to help you we're going home to your mum whatever it might be you know um, and I think we, we need to not forget our culture and that's part of part of some of the, the illnesses I think that we develop for ourselves mentally definitely and I think now what you find with the kids is the streets are bringing up your kids. No matter how much of a good parent you think you are, the streets are bringing up your kids at the moment. And there's lots of examples of that um, that are happening right now. Um, I've been fortunate to be able to speak to a lot of my friends' kids and really get through to them on certain levels. But then on other levels, I'm not there 24-7. And then there's, you know, there's things happening to them or, you know, 
self, there's too many kids at the moment telling me about low self-esteem or they want to look like this person or look that that person. I never had those issues when I didn't have those issues growing up at the end of the day. And I do believe um, social media and the influencers and all that stuff has play a massive part. And I don't really believe they understand the kind of parts they're playing because I'm sure, I mean, I've never, I'm not going back to look at the stats, but I'm sure if you go back to the statistics and look at like, like um, teen suicides, I don't think it was as rife back in our era as it is now. Um, and just hearing just some of my friends' kids about how, you know, their self-esteem, I'm ugly, I'm this, I'm that. And I'm just like, what? And they're coming from good stock families, you know, good friends of mine that I know are doing the best they can as parents. But when the streets have got your kids, and when I say the streets, I mean school. You know, I, yes. school, in the school is a street. Yeah, school is a street. Is a street. When the streets have got your kids and they're replaced by their friends and everyone's doing this and doing that, I would think like it's the streets, man. The streets are just, it's a dangerous place for your kids. And and again, it's like, cause I was just taking on some new work actually with Bernardo's and I'll be doing some outreach work, going out um, and trying to engage with the kids that are kind of hanging out in McDonald's and, you know, the little hotspots. Um, and basically just trying to find out from them what's going on. Like, are you okay? Everything okay at home? Because domestic violence has gone up. Um, child poverty has gone up. All these different things have happened since this whole pandemic. Mental health has gone up. Mental health has gone Neglect up. Neglect has gone up. Exactly. So for me, again, I've got, you know, and, 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 and that's another thing as well. I, I've been fortunate to be for, to fall on my feet quite quite often. So my contract's finishing. It should have finished on Friday. I've got a few extra weeks. So I'm happy for that. Then I got a phone call from a friend saying, actually, Saman, you've done stuff like this before. Would you mind helping out with this project? So I've had little things like that keep falling into my lap. And I'm like, okay, so it's keeping me moving. Even though I'm tired, I really feel exhausted at the moment. But I did, when this, when this came into my lap, I thought, well, actually, I can pick and choose my hours and I can make a difference because I know there's a lot of kids out there that have got a terrible home life going on now, especially when things are just you know, parents are at home more and there's a lot more abuse and things going on within the family home. So they want to be out on the street they don't want to deal with that even more. And if I can just make a difference to even one child while I do a couple of months with these people, then that's what I'm going to try and do because there's a lot going on at the moment. And, that's, and I think that that kind of gives me a, a sense of, um, gives me a sense of pride, but also a sense of purpose, being able to support and to help people generally. That's, that's one of the main things I would say I, you know that makes me happy and know, and knowing what you know now what would you tell your younger self my younger self oh god little simone i think i would have liked I, you know at the time i think i'd i think i would have liked would like to tell myself to really enjoy some of the moments in my life a lot more really appreciate them more rather than just let these things pass by through my life and not really realized actually you know you did some good work there or you did something really good there and really appreciate that I think a lot of things kind of just happened to me and I let them kind of roll by where actually I should have grabbed them and said actually no this was a good thing that happened you know this is a good thing that worked with me I wish I was more present in my younger days if I'd be honest as well and uh, maybe that and more ground a little bit more grounded like you know I'm, I think I'm grounded as a person but grounded is, is in like having a bit more of a plan um I do believe, yeah, I think I would. I wish I had a bit more of a plan. Even though I've said to you, you don't have to have a plan. But for me, where I am now, I think having even if even a loose plan or even just having, like I said, there's someone in my back pocket when I was younger, someone to really guide me. Because, I mean, again, with your parents and stuff, like with my mum, when I think about how financially illiterate my mum is, 
she's you know very brainy mum you know she's got loads of degrees and stuff but when it came to kind of having that kind of um financial literacy when I was younger to kind of like steer me in certain ways so I know I've never been in money problem or anything like that but kind of this helped me to think about getting on the property ladder earlier and certain other things that could have set me up better to be where I am now I that's what I kind of wish for as well I wish I had that kind of mentor around me to kind of say look as you're getting older you need to be thinking about x y and z so I could have put things in place a lot earlier rather than so much later so yeah it's good that I've, I'm, I'm, I'm achieving these things still but I could have had a better foundation to do it and not be struggling or not have more of a struggle to do that to be fair so my younger self yeah just to kind of yeah to have done more in terms of appreciate more what was going on with me when I was younger and what about the future self what do you think the next five years are going to look like what what might 50 year old Simone be doing if the old Simone will be, will still be busy. I think I don't. Know, I don't think I want to be in the stage where I'm just not doing anything. I can't imagine you're never ever not going to be busy. You spent your whole life being busy. <laughs> no, girl, that is not your portion. No, it's not my portion. But I do believe that you know, once we kind of get through this madness and get to whatever the, whatever the new norm is going to be, I'd like to be able to say that I'm definitely working for myself running running some sort of a corporation or running something for myself my people um and not necessarily sitting down in london if i'm honest with you that's not my passion um a long time ago i wanted to go back to jamaica but i'm also thinking a, a bit more than just jamaica now i'm talking about just my people so if it means you know exploring more of africa i've been to a few african countries and yeah i'm open you know as long as it's for my people, I'm open to doing whatever I can do and to go into different places and seeing what I can have as a foundation in those places to kind of uplift and make better. You know, that's kind of my, that is, that is my ultimate dream. And also, you know, if we, if we were to do this interview in five years time, maybe have my family behind me as well. So that would answer that. And then be moving forward. That. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a fantastic thing if, if it happens. And, and, it, and even when I say my family behind me, that might be my foster kids or it might be my adopted kids or it could be whatever it's going to be. You know, I'm open, I'm open to what that needs, whatever that looks like, I'm open to that. But I do also believe in putting out there what you want as well because it's always going to be attainable, definitely. I can see why people gravitate towards you for support. Um, direction, realness, honesty. Um, it does feel like you've got a lot of energy to give um, and happy to give it. So I really appreciate the information you shared with us because not only are you teaching myself and Winnie, but it's all of our listeners that hear you will just be equally as inspired as we are. So thank you. I hope I've made some sort of sense today. Um, you made me think a, a lot and, and then you made me think, wow, like there's a, there's a few things that, yeah, I could have, I could be working on, I could have worked on, I could have done better. But at the same time, the end result of where I am now, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't, you know, not saying that I wouldn't have still given that advice to that younger me, but has it been a bad journey? No. Do I, I do I have regrets with my life? Well, everyone has regrets, but regrets in terms of the overall picture of my life where I am now, then no. And I think it's so important that people who are listening remember that. Like it might not have been what you planned for yourself, but there is so much good in where you currently are that, that should be focused on rather than not what you haven't got um, or, or what you hoped. And I think that there'll be so many people someone, that listen to this and completely relate to your story and, and what you've been going through and, and hopefully find some inspiration on 
on pushing forward and busying themselves with other things too. I definitely hope so. And I can't wait to listen to other people's stories as well, because I'm sure that would help to resonate with myself in terms of, you know, looking at other people's journeys and it's just interesting, isn't it? And I think it's definitely, especially when I heard the subject matter, I did say to myself, God, it was such a time at 39. And to know that I've come past that, I'm now at 45 and still living life and getting on with what I need to be getting on with. Your life doesn't stop at 40. It doesn't stop. Exactly. It's like a new life. It's like a new lease of life after 40. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciated you and your time today. If anyone wants to um, follow you, get in touch with you, do you have any handles you'd like to share on how people can connect? The main handle that I share at the moment is going to be the Melanaire. So that will be on IG, Melanaire UK. Um, you can follow us there. And we have a website, which is www.melanaire.co.uk as well. I love I love those those jumpers. I'm, I I keep meaning this get on. I'm going to have to do it now. But I've met you. I'm I'm due. I'm due one. <laughs> you are our support. I have to be honest. Thank you. Thank you for the support. I have to admit, definitely. Thank you for the support. It's 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 a family. It's a family connection. As far as I'm concerned, it's the whole village approach. Definitely, definitely. And just kind of, I think I've touched on it before, but just in terms of even the kids, like right now, in terms of having the smell in the back pocket. I really am about if you've got any children um, around you that want to learn any kind of fashion tips, Jamal's always willing to do that. We do workshops together. And also as well, we like to just put people in contact with other people that can help to build businesses. I'm always there to give business advice in terms of, you know, if you want to start a brand, if you want to start certain things, there's things that we've had to go through as a brand to kind of get to where we are. Always happy to help, give ideas, stop different things that you want to do. So you know, we always put, I always try to push that for the youngsters because I want to see now's the time to really grab something for yourself and try and make something for yourself. Yeah. Because we can't so true. sit here depending on the government to look after you. And, you know, even, even the people, people's education at the moment, like everything's on Zoom. You know, it's not, there's nothing certain at the moment with anything. So it's really about, you know, nurturing the youth now to kind of, come up and yeah and a lot of control has been taken out of our hands so we want to be able to obtain some of that for ourselves as, as a group of people um and be able to provide things for our children um and each other really and on that note no problem thank you simone that is fine thank you very much for interviewing me failure 40 failure at 40 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 at 